What a week it's been. So much to talk about and so many things we can't talk about. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the villain Marty Scurll and you are listening to Behind... No, sorry, what was it? <laughs> oh. Me and my friend Mark, we're going to stop watching. I'm Mark. And I'm Harris. And we'd like to welcome you to Behind the Gorilla, a podcast where we delve into the wild, wacky, and crazy side of professional wrestling. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Behind the Gorilla. I'm Mark. He's Harris. And um, an interesting thing happened this week. Normally, I mean, well, not normally, every week, we alternate who who does the topics. Um, and we've had it before where we've done a show and, and not had someone prepare for, for a topic. Um, it was you. I just want to be clear. That someone was you both times it's happened. That That is pure speculation. And <laughs> Look, there's no way to prove it. There's no, no way of knowing. No, there's no way so. to prove it unless you listen to every single episode. So if you want to try and prove us wrong, go and listen to all our episodes. Um well, this week, the opposite happened for the first time. I completely forgot that I had done the topic last week, so I spent three hours yesterday, like at one in the morning, coming up with a topic at the last minute, because it's been a very busy weekend, and then I just realized, as soon as we started the call, I was like, oh, right, I did the Sunny having sex with Elmo topic last week. It's Harris's turn. I almost What is wish wrong I, with me? I almost wish I hadn't brought up my topic and like the research I did before we started recording, because it would have been great to get about 20 minutes in and then just listen to us both realize on the air, you'd be like, all right, so I prepared the topic for this week. And I'm like, hey, uh, uh, what? <laughs> okay. I would have just played it off and be like, yeah, Harris, you know, your topics just aren't, haven't been up to par. So <laughs> I wasn't going to tell you, but I'm taking over. It's mine now. So you're 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 here to listen and react and and nothing more, <laughs> which is totally not true. I I feel like in the grand scheme of things, Harris's topics pretty consistently outnumber mine as far I'm as the running up listens. the score with the Edge and Lita thing. That's but, all that is. That's true. But to be fair, the other three of our most listened to topics are all me. So right. I think I might cancel. I might cancel out because I got the I got the. Uh, uh, the Kidman Tori Wilson sex tape, which is their second most listened to one, and mm-hmm. then I think the ECW Mass Transit one is the third. It, it's it's kind of been climbing up there. I think that's our third most. And then do the you other. Think that's, do you think that's because of the Dark Side of the Ring episode? Didn't they do one about New Jack? I should have put think... New Jack in the title. He's not in the yeah. title, so maybe. Um, huh. And then the uh, the weird one with like the three different terrible wcw matches that i did with the <laughs> culminating with the yappa pie indian strap match for some reason yeah. that one like exploded like that week like immediately shot up and listens i still don't know why but uh that one's i think our next most listened to like fourth most so i might have you out done as far as the top ones go but you still have that first one which is like pfft, head and shoulders the highest one and then i yeah, I'll, I'll, m- most of yours, I feel like, do pr- do pretty well. You 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 have a good uh, finger on the pulse of what the people are interested in. Maybe, maybe my, I'm my just, pulse uh... is very different. 
<laughs> what yeah, else who, do people care about? Who's to say? Who knows? <laughs> uh, tweet us whose topics you like better. Oh, behind underscore gorilla. This I'll is not a, fair because you have that's, other no, burner actually, accounts. Take that. You have more burner accounts than I do. Take that. I take that back. I'll just put a Twitter poll up. Um, tomorrow when this drops. And then, then we'll find out definitively. We'll get about six votes, mm-hmm. maybe. And uh, I think we might have the lowest Twitter interaction for anyone with the amount of followers we have. It's pretty I'm amazing you, how little interaction we, we get I on think, Twitter. And I think I tweet good stuff. I think every like every Anon Wrestling Podcast Alter Ego Twitter account has about the same amount of interaction. Like, there's a couple that consistently do like tens or hundreds of interactions. But I think it's a lot of just people like us that are like, Hey, follow and listen to my podcast. And we all say, Hey, great. Follow. Don't listen. That's like, that's, <laughs> that's all it is. It's just hundreds of people doing the exact same thing. We that are is true. That is true. But, uh, anyway, cause I liked my orange Cassidy Kung Fu fighting thing that I posted. That made me laugh. I really enjoyed that. It got okay, no hang on. Explain this to me. There's another guy. You watch AEW more than I do. I know Orange I Cassidy. Familiar with him. I like him. There's a pineapple guy now. Are there any other fruits that I should be um, aware of that are in okay. AEW yet? Because okay. that's a great potential faction. <laughs> okay. That's a fun story, especially for someone who doesn't know what's going on. Um, so a few weeks ago, Jericho and Tony Schiavone were, were doing the commentary while they were taping shows in Atlanta which is the greatest commentary team since Tony Schiavone and Bobby the Brain. And I was really disappointed when JR came back, and I felt bad about being disappointed. <laughs> but as soon as JR like introduced, I was like, oh, it's not Tony and Jericho anymore. And I felt bad that I was disappointed because I was like, I-, I like JR and Excalibur. I like that commentary team. But like Schiavone and Jericho was so much better that it's uh, a little disappointing. But anyway, um, so when Jericho was on commentary – this, uh, shoot, now I forgot, now I forgot his name. I need to remember what this guy's name is. Um, but, you know, how AEW, they, they were doing a bunch of, uh, you know, pre-taped shows in Atlanta. And so what they were doing is there was a lot of squash matches, just because they, you know, they could only get a certain amount of their talent in, and so they, they used a lot of local wrestlers from the Atlanta area and, and close by. Um, yeah, so th- there's several, like, local Atlanta indie wrestlers that were, that were wrestling on the show. Well, one of, one of those who ended up coming to, to the tapings was this guy named Surge, uh, Surge, it's either, no, Sway, I don't, I don't remember how, I don't know how to pronounce the name, it's S-U-G-E, and I forgot what his name is, it's like, Swage G. Something like that was his name. And uh, he just, you know, and, and then they, they, they gather the extras and stuff as crowd members, you know, around the around the ring. Some other wrestlers. Well, he was there and he just had on this like Hawaiian shirt for some reason. I don't know. He's wearing a Hawaiian shirt. Maybe that was part of just the look he had. And Jericho like points him out in the crowd and just starts calling him Pineapple Pete and just making fun of him. <laughs> like what is pineapple beat doing here i told him not to show like that's not his name like he's at all he just started doing and so weeks and weeks whenever he'd show up 
he'd see him in the crowd, he would just talk about how much he hates him because Jericho is the best at that of anyone wow. of just just hating on people. It, it's great. I mean, his whole gimmick was calling people stupid idiot. Right. And everyone loved it. And it got over somehow because it's Jericho. Um, and so he just started berating this guy every week. And then eventually it catches on. He changes like his Twitter name to Pineapple Pete. And he wow. ends up getting a shirt on pro wrestling tees and starts to gain his popularity. And then, then ends up being booked in a match with Jericho this past week. And so he wrestles Jericho and gets squashed <laughs> and gets Judas affected and boom, done in like five minutes. Right. But it was like they were hyping this match. They had a little interview package with him before and all this stuff. And it was like this was purely Jericho. Just I don't even I don't know if he knew him beforehand. I don't think so. <laughs> and it just he got this like random, you know, indie guy over. Uh, it was so it was crazy. So he, he's not actually like a roster guy. And the Pineapple Beast not even his real name, like his wrestling name. <laughs> It is now. Yeah. It, it, That's, yeah. Okay. See, I'd heard a little bit about him, but I just I thought it was I, I thought it was something similar to that. But I thought it was just sort of like an Orange Cassidy situation where it's like, hey, here's this yeah, guy. No. He's kind of quirky, and we're bored because it's quarantine and we don't have a lot going on. So we're just going to build a little like impromptu storyline out of this guy. I didn't realize that Chris Jericho just picked a random man in the crowd. Yeah. Created an entire gimmick for him and then got it over. Yep. <laughs> and then got in the match with him. That's incredible. Yeah. It so was this amazing. guy, presumably, I, I, I don't know. I don't feel bad for him because that's pretty no. cool. But that's got to be weird when you show up to the AEW taping and you know you're going to have like a squash match or whatever and like just be a like an extra, and you've got your own ideas about who you are as a wrestler and what you bring to the table and what your gimmick is. And then when the taping's over, somebody's like, yeah, Jericho was just roasting you the entire time. And I don't know why, but he kept calling you Pineapple Pete. It was pretty funny, but, you know, just just so you know. Yep. <laughs> and then weeks go by and that just keeps happening. I mean, that's that's beautiful. I'm really glad I asked. That's that's, that's great. Cool man. story. To be it. honest, if it was a longer thing, that could end up being an episode in like five years. But, I think uh, the, the theme of this episode is going to be when wrestlers are bored and a little desperate, you can see some really fun <laughs> things happening. Because that's all this quarantine is. It's just that is kind of true. Well, and, we and, and, and you see one company doing it well and another company not doing it so well, well they're they're getting better but yeah no AEW has been way more flexible way more creative i think it's that you know they feel like they have less to lose they're an upstart anyway so let's just wing it well also that's, that's incredible that's been the man. whole thing of AEW and and the elite and that group i mean they've been basically yeah. doing stuff like this for like five years just like the having fun aspect of stuff so yeah. it, it's it's a good match uh for that and they're just taking advantage of it with the with these circumstances but uh yeah okay I, I think this was the original quote that jericho had the first time about pineapple pete is he just sees him that they're doing something he's just like pineapple pete is involved get pineapple pete out of here i hate that guy <laughs> totally random and that was the rest is history we'll see where he goes wow. from there it's gonna be tough for him to get over that that, that loss to delay champion last uh this past week um speaking of dynamite though this past week another good show uh they're back to doing it live and back in jacksonville at the dailies center and they have a handful of crowd there i think they have a handful of family members and and some other people so there's i think a hundred or so spaced out in the uh 
in the building. So, so it's a little bit more of an atmosphere than, than what it has been, which is nice. Um, they're able to get like some chants and stuff throughout the show, but, uh, it was a good, it was another, it was another really good show. We had an amazing, um, tag. We had a, a couple great tag team matches with best friends and orange Cassidy versus Jurassic express and Marco stunt. That was a, that was a fun match. Of course, culminated with orange Cassidy getting Kung Fu kicked in the face from Ray Phoenix out of nowhere on the stage, which was like the greatest <laughs> kick I've ever seen in the history of wrestling. It was like something out of a like B-level action movie. It was fantastic. He just comes soaring out of the air, just out of nowhere, <laughs> just just obliterates him in the face. It was awesome. And uh, so that was the highlight of, of that match. But it was nice seeing Jurassic Express back. It's the first time we've seen them wrestle. Maybe they wrestled on Dark last week. I don't remember. But it's uh, one of the more recent things we've seen from them. A lot of those California-based uh, wrestlers we haven't seen. Um, because it's so much harsher over there. Um, but Jake Roberts and Lance Archer continue to build up this, what's going to be just an outstanding TNT title match at a double or nothing. Harris, is there a single wrestler in the past, like, five years who has had better storylines than Cody Rhodes? I can't name one Cody match in the past like two years that hasn't felt like the most extreme personal match of all time. Yeah, especially since he started, you know, since AEW got going and he's kind of crafting all of these stories himself and he has a weekly television platform. Mm -hmm. He's been knocking it out of the park. I mean, every one of them, every one of them. And this uh, this story is just great. I mean, Jake Roberts is just the greatest scum of the earth human being ever. And, oh, man, it's it's going to be awesome. It's going to be so great. I can't wait for that. Double or nothing this weekend is going to be awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm what really is pumped the, about it. I assume it's just it's a similar situation where there's no crowd or it's like yeah. wrestlers in the crowd and like friends yeah. and family and nothing else. That's interesting. Yeah, I think it's going to be, I would assume, just the same setup at the Daily Center with what they've been uh, with what they've been doing. Um, but, uh, yeah, we should we should we should meet up and watch it next week. Yeah, I can probably do that. Um, yeah, there was a women's fatal four-way match, which was pretty decent. Uh, Sheeta, Statlander, Britt Baker, and Penelope Ford. Um, and then another great tag match was Santana and Ortiz versus, uh, Broken Matt and Kenny Omega, who teamed up again, as they did the week before, when Sammy Guevara got run over by golf cart. Mm-hmm. But, uh, that was another really, really good tag team match. I'm telling you, man, AEW kills it with these tag matches. They are... Just week in and week out, great. MJF made his return and squashed someone, so that was fun. Then, of course, Pineapple <laughs> Pete and Chris Jericho was fun, and then and then Christopher Daniels wrestled uh, Brody Lee, which was great. Um, really, really good match. We haven't seen I haven't seen a singles match from Christopher Daniels in a really long time, so that was that was a lot of fun getting to see him work again because he's just one of the greatest of the past twenty years. So that was that was fun, kind of setting up uh, Brody Lee versus John Moxley for the title at uh, at double for nothing or double or nothing. But anyway, another good show of AEW. We can't talk about WWE because Harris said I can't. So well, we can fine. talk about it a little bit. No, hang on. I, I don't mean, watch couple... it anyway, so I don't know what's right. going on. Well, a couple things did happen. Uh, first of all, Becky Lynch is pregnant. Eh. Vacated the title. She's gone. That's crazy. Who I cares? like. That kind of dominated the news cycle. I mean, that's that, that, that's a pretty big deal. That's that's a lot. That's an interesting way to end her title reign. Uh, 
I guess they must have. I, I feel like they must have just found out because otherwise, why not just have her lose the title at WrestleMania? Listen, I thought it was cool. It was also very funny that people were like, how many wrestlers is Seth Rollins going to take out of commission before we realize that he's just not safe because he hit sting with that buckle bomb right that right stopped his in-ring career and he broke finn balor's collarbone or whatever yeah. at SummerSlam, and now he's got becky out of the picture he's just he's killing people left and right that was very funny the other thing that was great that came out of this was people are like charlotte flair is going to show up in the delivery room for no reason and just make it about herself because that's oh, what for she sure does. of course if they could – here's the thing. They are now at the point – like they killed the brand split again this week. It's some new version of the wild card rule. I forget what it is, but it's like, oh, yeah, superstars can swap shows four times. or so, Like they tried to make up a rule, which they're not going to follow. Why even bother? But, That's even dumber. Just say well, who cares. It makes – right. But like it makes sense if they enforce it, but they're not going to enforce it. So I kind of resent that they even like half try. It's when yeah, we know care. like it came out, they were like, yeah, the networks are pissed because ratings are way down. But like, yeah, no, duh. yeah, nobody. Yeah. Like nobody. It's hard to get people to watch wrestling when there's no crowd, mm-hmm. especially when like we've we've talked about pretty much every week. WWE has been a lot slower to adapt and make the show interesting and engaging Yep. for the most part, you know, because you're taping from the performance center every week and there's nobody there. And you, you insist on having Braun Strowman cut promos against Bray Wyatt like that's not his we're not tuning in for that putting Charlotte Flair on Smackdown is not going to make me tune in and I didn't (laughs) so you know there you go point proven but this was the other thing I was going to say happened this week particularly in the women's division Charlotte already NXT champion uh has started showing up on Raw to beat people on Raw the brand she's not the champion of and then showed up on SmackDown this week to confront Bailey. And I said this on Twitter. I, I I pride myself on like giving WWE the benefit of the doubt a lot of the time. And the topic we have this week is gonna show that even more. But like, dude, if she shows up and beats Bailey for the title, I'm gonna have a meltdown. I'm gonna I absolutely hope, lose my mind. I you know, it it would it would probably be good podcast material, but not since the great Naomi screw job of what was that 2015 that's 2016 my favorite, that's my favorite Harris wrestling moment of all time oh boy it's a shame we didn't we I guess we did have the podcast then I don't know it's a shame we couldn't have captured that live because yeah I, I wish I I wish I had filmed movie. that that would have been that would have been hilarious anyway I saw Charlotte was showing up on Smackdown immediately panicked uh they didn't do anything too stupid they have a match against one another next week I assume it's not a title match. Because, I don't know, that just seems like a weird stipulation. It's just going to be a, here's the two champions fighting, and it doesn't matter match, which is great. So, yeah, that's just, that's the other big thing that happened this week in in wrestling. That's now on my radar, is like, oh, this thing that might happen. Yeah. Let's just put the belt back on Charlotte. It's fine. It's not going to happen. It's totally fine. Well, totally fine. Moving on to much, moving on to a much better topic. It's time to talk about what's up with David R. Cat. Oh, man, Harris, it was awesome. So David Arquette has been on WWE programming yet again Woo! on uh, on their YouTube page. They're, I don't know if this is an official show or something. I didn't care. But there was a live <laughs> there was a live stream Zoom conference with, I guess, people that work at WWE that I've never heard of before except for Kyla and uh, all these random uh, jabronis. And uh, th- the whole point was they were trying to see how many different friends 
uh, like wrestlers or celebrities that they could get on one Zoom call. And so it was like an hour-long show, and the very first person that joins the Zoom call is none other than our patron saint, David Arquette. And uh, he was on it for almost the whole show. I think all the way like till like 50 minutes, like forever, and con- <laughs> consistently shine the spotlight on himself by changing outfits about 60 times. It was fantastic, and I highly recommend watching the entire thing because he'll just disappear for like two minutes, and then he'll come back with a puppet and just start talking as the puppet, and then he'll disappear again and come back with no shirt on and a cowboy hat, and then he'll disappear again and come with his with his WCW championship belt, and then he'll disappear Excellent. again and come in with a bigger hat on like it was it was fantastic it was fan fantastic um, did they say who got him on the call like who knew uh who it was one of the, one of those six employees or okay. whoever that started so, i don't remember which one i, I don't know the, any of their names so um, it wasn't was this the call Liv morgan was on or was that a yes yes no 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 i'm getting to that okay so it wasn't her then they, no they're not friends oh, so it was so of course so he's added first and then right off the bat the very next person that joins is Liv Morgan. I don't know. Ah, uh, there we go. I don't know if Kay, uh, Kyler or someone got got her on. And so then we have like a good couple of minutes, like three, four minutes of like them talking about Ready to Rumble and like mm-hmm. wanting to do another Ready to Rumble movie where she plays Gordy's daughter and uh, is like the same type of character, which is basically what we already talked about a few weeks ago when we were pitching mm-hmm. our Ready to Rumble sequel. Uh, script go check that out on youtube and um it was it was uh fantastic one of the guys had an idea of she being the daughter of sal bandini and like restarting his like running his wrestling school and i was like that's a pretty good (laughs) idea too um but so it was awesome so they they talk about it on wwe youtube channel and i highly recommend it i also tweeted out like a, a couple minute clip clip of it on our uh on our twitter page but Definitely, uh, definitely check that out because it was it was pretty awesome. And she just freaks out when she sees that he's on the thing. <laughs> just just completely fanboys out like we like we would. And uh, so that was pretty awesome. But the whole the whole thing is fun to watch. I mean, so many people. I think they ended up getting like thirty or forty different people, different celebrities, actors, musicians, most of which I don't know, but apparently are famous. Um, and uh, I mean, Ric Flair joined uh, at one point, which was great. Because it's Ric Flair, and there's like no one more entertaining in the history of humanity. Um, RJ City ended up joining, which was really funny because you like you know David brought him on it, and he mm-hmm. was just completely he 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 knows it, and he doesn't really fit in with a lot of the other people that were there because <laughs> so he just kind of chilled and then would zing in with something in typical RJ fat fashion. So that was yeah, uh, that sounds about right. That was very entertaining, but yeah, there was some massive star power on uh on that call, and people would go in and out. Um, but it, it was it was it was very entertaining. If you need some random entertainment, like while you're working and just want to throw mm-hmm. something up, like in the background for like an hour, th- this is this is a, a a really solid thing to do for that. It's really fun to remember, like, this is one reason that house shows are so fun to go to or smaller shows, because, like, to make it anywhere in professional wrestling, you just have to have this it factor in terms of, like, charisma and improvisation and character. 
And you can see that, like, Kevin Owens is my favorite example of this. When you see him at a house show or when the cameras are off and he's just talking to the crowd, he's hysterical. He's so funny, and he's just making it all up as he goes along. And, like, any wrestler that's had any level of success, like, has that. And it's really fun. Like, stuff like this is fun to see that play out where there's no script. There's nothing going on. They're all just talking. And it's still super interesting and super entertaining because they're yeah. just interesting and entertaining people. Like when you strip away all the corporate overproduction that especially WWE can be guilty of and just let them go. The, like quarantine sucks, but this is a great way to let that shine through in all these different ways. And I'm really enjoying that. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, yeah, it was pretty awesome. At one point, David Arquette put on this cowboy hat, as I said before, and then everyone else started just put on hats that they had <laughs> lying around. And so people were just getting random cowboy hats. Rey Mysterio was putting on a hat over his mask and all this stuff. And so that was that was pretty that was pretty awesome. Uh Dolph Ziggler was also one of the early ones on there. And then Ric Flair, when he joined, he just started constantly talking about Dolph Ziggler being like the biggest ladies man and just like completely he wouldn't stop. He was talking about how how many girls Dolph Ziggler keeps getting and how he's he's and he just kept going. It it was so so funny. It was so funny. So it was uh it was oh, it was a lot great. of fun. It was a lot of fun. So that's the biggest thing going on with uh with our patron Saint David Arquette. Also, I reached out to RJ City to be on the podcast, but he said no because he has he has <laughs> he has too many he, he said it's too many requests. <laughs> I was wondering if you were going to bring that up at all. And two, if you did, if you were going to sugarcoat it. <laughs> no, it's fine. Uh, he was just like, got, got a lot. And I was like, no, fair enough, man. That's fine. We're, we're, yeah, we're, we're not worth anything. So uh, <laughs> that was, uh, no, that was, that was pretty funny. But that's only the second person we've ever asked to be on the show. So we're still, we're still 50% success. I was say, we're batting 500. That's, that's pretty not, good. That's not bad. To be honest, though, I was thinking, I was like, I don't even know if there's anyone else we could, we would even ask at this point, because that's not that's not the way our podcast is anyway. I mean, anyone who we thought we might be able to guilt into coming on, we would ask, like realistically. Right, right. And so I was like, <laughs> like eh. if Liv Morgan followed the podcast and then liked two of our tweets, oh, e- we're instantly, in those DMs. instantly, <laughs> instantly. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say we're only <laughs> followed by like four wrestlers, right. Dude, did you see that Sergeant Slaughter followed us like two weeks ago? What? Yeah, I don't know why. Have we ever talked about him? No. No, I have no idea why. It's I like, mean, cool. Okay. Thanks for listening, sir. I, sure. Yep. sure. Um, <laughs> I guess. But, uh, yeah. yeah, so technic- we have technically five wrestlers, that, uh, as far as I can remember, that follow the show. David Arquette, obviously. RJ City. Um, Sergeant Slaughter now. Jerry Lynn followed us like right when he started twitter and then thunder rosa follows us and those are nice uh, as far as i know those are the only ones that uh, also we're blocked are we blocked by edge or is that oh no we're blocked by edge okay see that counts that's enough of an interaction to count that's my proud other than the david Uh. other than david arquette that's that's my proudest thing of 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 wrestling twitter for sure is being blocked by Edge after like never tweeting about him I started most of my Edge hate tweets after I realized we were blocked by Edge. That's really funny. I think I had said, like, one thing about him being overrated once. 
I think because I, I think I, I, I advanced searched it and was like, how many times have I even said edge? And it was like three times. And there was one time that I had said overrated edge. as, And it wasn't even the main tweet. It was like in a, a tweet about something else, like like about one of our podcast episodes or something. And somehow that did it. So now did he block? Now was cool. it before or after we did the sex celebration episode? Because if he just blocked everyone uh, who ever brought that up, I wouldn't really blame him. I'm not sure. I think it was before, but I'm not. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It might have been that. I'm not sure. But uh, yeah, I'm pretty proud of that. So now the gloves are off. Um. Anyway. Yeah. Well, that's enough cool. of that. Time to uh, let's uh, time to get into the main event of the show here. Yeah, it's the main event of the show, and it was the main event of oh the show oh last boy. week. Oh, no. So this is – we've always – I was worried about this. We've always joked about this happening and saying, oh, maybe one day something so goofy will happen that we just have to talk about we've it. We've already done that. It was called WrestleMania, and it was called yeah, Firefly Funhouse. <laughs> we did this a little bit for WrestleMania, but that's – okay, here's the thing, though. That's a little bit different because WrestleMania is a big enough show to warrant a sure. recap of its own anyway. And the fact that that you know, had – one of the craziest, most creative, and just different, interesting matches of all time in the Firefly Funhouse match meant, okay, we really need to sink our teeth into this. But I'll be honest with you, I didn't watch Money in the Bank live. I had just gotten back from vacation and recorded this podcast, and I just, I don't, I don't know. I wasn't feeling it. I just wanted to vegetate a little bit. But I, I saw what was happening on Twitter, and I was thinking to myself, you know, we, we've talked about this once or twice. Oh, wait, they're doing a match in the office, like they're fighting their way up the office. Well, that's pretty interesting. And, you know, I knew this was happening and I knew I was going to watch it, but I got on Twitter and I saw one guy say, Oh, sweet Lord. They just went full DDT. And I thought, yes, that's exactly what I wanted to see. And I got maybe two minutes into this match before I thought, yep, I'm talking about this this week. Wow. It's that's just surprising. That, that's very surprising to me. But, <laughs> really? Uh... So it, you, yes. so let's just, without going into too many specifics, you weren't a huge fan of this match. It sounds like you're not super enthusiastic. I, I hated this match, Harris. Wow. It was it was it was such a waste of time, and it was such oh. an example of WWE. Oh, we have a pretty good thing with this pre-taped kind of not not even this wasn't even cinematic, but but like a pre-taped gimmick type thing. Yeah. Well, let's just overproduce it and make it a WWE thing, and that's exactly what this was. Oh, and man. it was it was it was jumping man. the shark to like the nth degree, and they've immediately made me uninterested in any more of these type of matches. Um, definitely proving that the WrestleMania ones were a fluke, um, and definitely oh, had a man. lot of input from people that did not have input in this match. Um, I... I will say there were a couple parts I liked about it. Two parts okay, well, in two, there were two parts in particular I I really did enjoy, but that was about it. So okay. I'm very interested in um in seeing this uh this 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 I breakdown just, here. I just need to. I, yeah, I, I, so. I love hearing stuff from your perspective because it's so <laughs> different. And a lot of times at this point, just because we've been doing this so long, a lot of times I can even if something I don't like or, or certain things like I can see how you would view things and that's very fun and interesting so i'm 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 super excited to hear to hear your harris's wrestling mind which oh is boy. a totally unique wrestling mind from anyone else i know with his ability to um take the dumbest things ever and try and self-rationalize them 
in the way that only Harris does. And sometimes it actually ends up making sense. And sometimes just like Harris, just stop. Um, so I, I, I can't wait for this. Yeah, it's okay. Th- this is going to be a little bit different than obviously because we both have recently seen what the topic is. And so just butt in when I mean, whatever the two things are that you liked. But this is okay. I'm glad you brought that up because this entire thing, I just took a series of notes and this is just me thinking through like the kayfabe implications yes. of what's yeah. happening oh, gosh, here a yes. lot. This is going to be and great. also like a little bit of like pulling back the curtain. What why did they do this this way? with their hands clearly tied behind their back and like trying not to have too many people in the same room at one given time. But I've just, I've broken down the narrative of this match and okay. First of all, first of all, there's no commentary at all, which is, which is is perfect. It's so you, you don't even really notice that it's gone, but Michael Cole is probably the most professional he's ever been. And by that, I mean, he's like so dialed back and unemotive. He sounds like a sports center anchor at like 1030 PM on a Tuesday. Like he's just reading the news and he just, ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for the most unique money in the bank ladder match in all of WWE history. And then we just, we just go, we just go to Connecticut. Everyone, this is the first thing I, I pointed out. Everyone has like, actual entrances right the the whole premise of the match is okay on the roof we have the ladder match and instead of starting on the roof and having like two separate matches we're just going to start in the building and it's just going to be a scramble you have to fight your way to the top of the building to me it would make sense to have their entrances be them like arriving you know like you had that thing at wrestlemania where becky lynch pulls up in the truck uh, none of these people are shown getting there at all. They just they just are. The women are starting in the lobby, and they line up in front of the elevators. And it reminds me of Tombstone, actually, because they aren't <laughs> like because they just they do that thing where they all stand in a straight line for no reason, and it makes less sense than Tombstone because in Tombstone, like it's obviously romanticized, but they're walking down the street and it's you know crazy music is playing. In this one, like. Like their music just plays and they walk to the middle of the lobby and then they turn presumably to face the front door. I don't know what they're looking at. And then they just stop and they're all facing the same direction and they all get music, which I think is I I had a topic where I talked about this in the past. I like to imagine it's just an intern standing off screen like with a speaker, like they're just doing this whole (laughs) thing live and in the flesh. And it's like it's a full entrance, like not quite a full entrance, but like, you know, so um so Dana Brooke comes out and she does her cartwheel and Lacey Evans has got her hat on and she throws it away, you know, and Carmella does her little moonwalk and they're all just looking at one another while mm-hmm. they make their entrances the way the men do it. Cause these are both taking place at the same time. The men start in the locker room, which I, I can't think started, of a reason I thought they started in the gym, right? They do. But like, I presumably they're coming out of the locker room, like the dressing room. They're all coming from the same spot. There's just a lot of things I'm trying to wrap my head around here. Mostly, wouldn't it make sense for them all to start in the same place? There's really no reason for them not to other than, hey, we're trying not to have too many people together at the same time. (laughs) Right, right. That's the only reason I can think of. But, like, the way the men start the match makes way more sense and feels way more like just guys at the office Mm. milling about the water cooler because they still have music. And they still come out in, like, full gimmick. And King Corbin has like his robe and his scepter on. 
But then they just come into the, like the weight room and stand around in a circle, kind of looking at one another. Like, yep, <laughs> all right, here we go. Here it is. Just, just another day at the office. You know, they're just, they're just guys being dudes, man. That's all it is. And yeah. Daniel Bryan comes out. Daniel Bryan is the last one to to come out before the match starts. And he's just, he's so happy to be there. He reminds me of a little league coach. Like he comes out and they're all just standing around in a circle in the, in the weight room. Like, yep, yep. You know, here we are. Just a couple of normal dudes about to have a fight. And Daniel Bryan comes out and he's like, all right, is everyone ready for a fight? And they're all like, yeah, I guess. Like, (laughs) there's no way to make this look cool. Like they can't square off like they do in a ring where there's like space, and you can bounce on the ropes or kind of lean one way or another or look cool. They just look like guys hanging out in a weight room, like in between sets. And then the last woman to make her entrance is Asuka, and the music plays, and they look around, and she doesn't come out. And I think this was a real missed opportunity to not have her come out the elevator, which I think would have been a cool entrance. But instead, the camera you know, kind of pans back, and we see that she's just standing on the landing on top of them you know it's like it's a nice corporate lobby you walk in and you can see you know like the hallway of the second floor and it's open to the lobby below and she's standing right there on the railing and then the bell rings which again it's the same intern with the speaker just behind the camera i was like like, where's the the bell bell? yeah i don't know (laughs) because it does like it's all there's cuts right like it's a cinematic match it's not done all in one shot or anything like presented live like most wrestling brawls are but it's clearly not – it's not edited like the Boneyard match or the Firefly Funhouse matches in terms of like crazy production or effects or anything. It's this weird combination of the two yeah. that I think really works. But now the it, it's a race to the top. Asuka's already got a one-floor head start, and instead she chooses as soon as the bell rings to dive from the lobby, the second floor, and just crush everyone else in the match with a crossbody. Yep. Now, one, people usually make dumb choices in ladder matches anyway, which I guess this technically is. But you would think it would just make sense for her to say, hey, I'm already up here. Let me just run for the stairs, sprint up to the top, mm-hmm. and like get the ladder match. Because it's essentially a foot race at this right, point. Right, right. I can only assume – see, I'm doing it again. Here we go. That this is like a – um. Like like a 5K sort of rule where everyone has to start from the same place at the same time. That's never specified, which is a common thread of this match. We'll find out. I'll talk about that more later. But I assume she has to start in the lobby. Like you have to touch here and then start the race. Otherwise, it doesn't count. It's one of those situations. Because otherwise, and this is something I do want to see in the future, like somebody could have just shown up on a helicopter at the very end and like stolen the briefcase and flown away. That's kind of what I was hoping for. It didn't happen. That'd have been a good moment. Maybe in the future, you know? So I, I assume that can't happen because that's the rule. Either that or Oscar's just foolish and takes a massive <laughs> risk to start the match, but it appears to pay off because she crushes the women, gets up, sprints into the elevator, closes the door before anyone else can get to her, and the rest of the women look at each other and then sprint off towards the stairs. And we're off. You know, there should have been a starting gun. Right. That would have been a great idea. I'm telling you, man, I think they left a lot of things on the table that I really want to see them pull out in the future. So add that to the list. But now the men have started fighting in the weight room. Again, I don't know why other than social distancing, but I I don't think that makes a lot of sense unless it's kayfabe social distancing. It's never explained. Again, add it to the list. 
and this is funny because this is the second weight room fight we've seen in like three months from WWE because Edge and Randy Orton got into it a little bit at the Performance Center. And it's going about as well as you'd expect. But, you know, people are trying to use them for spots wherever they can. Daniel Bryan, you know, pulls himself up on the pull-up bar and kicks Baron Corbin. And Baron Corbin looks around and says, well, there's only one normal way to react to that. And he picks up a 45-pound plate and just just throws it right at his head. Just <laughs> I, like it's yeah. it's dangerous. And the way they shot it made me a little nervous because I was like, man, what if he didn't move? Because it would have killed him. Yeah. Baron Corbin really just tried to kill this dude like 30 seconds into a match. Yep. And when the best part about it is when Daniel Bryan rolls out of the way. It hits a mirror. The mirror just shatters, explodes into a million pieces. And Baron Corbin sits there like, oh, no, he's just he's horrified. Like he didn't just try to kill Daniel Bryan. <laughs> but no, what he's really worried about is he broke the mirror. That's the that's seven that's years the real bad luck, man. Concerned about. That's true. I didn't even think about that. I think well, my first thought was, wow, that's so crazy that he's more worried about breaking a mirror than killing this man. But then I thought, no, realistically, Vince McMahon is probably going to be more mad about the mirror. Oh, for sure. Than if he just crunched a guy with a weight. Because this is WWE. Like, crazy things happen all the time. But this is like Vince's weight room. You better not mess it up. Boy, did he. Boy, did he. So meanwhile, AJ and Otis are fighting. Otis takes what looks to be like a it, it's a deadlift rack. I Man, think. I do I, I do wanna, I do want to stop you here because yep. going back to the uh, the spot where he throws the uh, throws the weight at him. All I could think of when seeing that spot was um, Harris. You're familiar with the movie Sky High, right? Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Probably in my opinion, the best like early two thousands Disney original movie. Um, <laughs> I think the movie's absolutely phenomenal. Um, anyway, it's about a, a high school for superheroes. That That's all that you need to know. Kurt Russell's in it, and he's awesome. But anyway, so Kurt Russell, he's this, like, the, the biggest superhero in the world, and he's super strong, and his son is has no superpowers, but it's his first day of high school, so he's been faking it, and he's been faking <laughs> oh, his strength. Yeah. So at the very beginning, like, Kurt Russell comes in and... and and uh, the kid, Will, has put on, like, a, all the weights onto the barbell and is, like, pretending to finish, like, benching. And he just comes in and starts – and Kurt Russell starts talking to him about the first day of high school. And he just picks up one of these 45-pound weights and is just holding it in his hand like we would hold, like, I don't know, a stuffed animal. And he's yeah. just, like, flipping it around and whatever and, you know. And then he's he's walking out to leave, just holding it, like, in one finger in like one hand and then he just turns around and he's like oh yeah here almost forgot and just throws it at him <laughs> and he just like bot he just catches it it like bodies him it sends him like onto the bed and then like breaks yeah. the bed yeah. that's all i could think about when he just wow. chucks this like 45 pound weight at him all i could think about was that scene in sky oh right? man that's exactly what it is well, th okay that's Except exactly for the fact what... that daniel bryan doesn't have super strength and it wasn't quite right. as easy for him to hold but Man, well, he did so yeah he didn't try to catch it right right he was able to get out of the way yeah or the match would have ended very early but then okay kind of the same thing like otis on the other side of the weight room has taken this absurdly loaded barbell and he lays aj out and just places it on top of him just boop there you go boop yep we i'm and gonna talk about that too aj's trapped under these weights he can't get 
it looks like he could probably slide he out. He one hundred percent could easily which I guess slide he, out. He's not trapped in any way, <laughs> shape, or form. Which I guess he eventually does, but maybe it's a pride thing. I don't know. Maybe it's a test of loyalty. He tries no. to get Rey Mysterio to get it off of him. Rey's like, which to no. be fair, of all the people to ask to help you lift the heavy weight, <laughs> I feel like that's like the. No offense to Rey, but I feel like that's like the last person you would be asking for. That oh, made man, me laugh that would have made it even. That's I didn't even think about that, but that would have made it even better if he couldn't do it. Ray is like trying <laughs> and he can't do it. He's like, this weighs more than I do, man. I don't know what to tell you. And then runs off. The that thing is, it's not great. even that heavy. It's not even that much weight. I think it's like 225 or something like it's, well, it's not. I mean, it's probably a lot to like bench press off the floor. If but you're still, AJ, like but, you're a professional right, wrestler. Like, like not... come on. I mean, like that would be bad for me, but not like for right. for him. And he well, easily like can slide he, out of it. it. It's 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 not a very right. well thought out spot. Again, I no, understand I mean, it on paper, but in right. execution, no. The idea is fun, but you're right. I mean, presumably at least that's they could have done it like they did in uh, in Blue Mountain State when when Sammy is trapped under the bar under the barbell, and it's his nipples that are keeping the bar him from sliding out of the bar <laughs> under the bar. <laughs> at least at least they explained yeah. it in that. As right. dumb as it was. So, Anyway, Ray uh, declines to help, or maybe just knows he can't pick it up. And they start at this. This was the point I think when I realized that I wanted to talk about this as my topic for the week, just to get it out of my system. It's just, it's just a twenty-four-seven match that lasts for like thirty yep. minutes and is and for one of like, the biggest and has like twenty people. In the company. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it is. Because they're now, it's it's like a full-blown, it's like a Scooby-Doo episode. Almost like they are sprinting down this hallway one after another, and it's Daniel Bryan, and it's Baron Corbin, and it's Aleister Black, and then it's Otis, and then here comes Rey Mysterio, and this is the first of our like WWE expanded universe, is what I'm going to call it, like just the people that presumably live at WWE headquarters, or at least are so important that they're there at the office sure. at 10 o'clock on a Sunday night, but he sees Brother Love come out of the bathroom. Yeah. And just say, I love you. And Ray's like, all right, cool. And just keeps going, carries on in the match. Who would have thought we'd mentioned Brother Love in back-to-back episodes of our podcast? <laughs> not me. Certainly not with the second appearance taking place in 2020. It would have been better if he had the flying nuns with him. Well, that's true. And they belong in this match. But don't get me started on the flying nuns. <laughs> They're still in jail. <laughs> They're breaking out, though. That's next week's topic. Oh, oh goodness. Man. Oh, so, again, man. it's just like they're all just sprinting after one another, trying to find – I guess they're looking for an elevator because they started in the weight room. And this is where the timeline starts to break down for me a little bit because they hit the elevator bay. They start fighting. Daniel, I think, has called for the elevator. They tumble into the elevator. And it's the same elevator that Asuka's in from – <laughs> the start of the match, like seven minutes ago, she's just kind of huddling up against the against the buttons. And sure. the women in the, you know, like seven minutes of real time during this match have sprinted up, I guess, one flight of stairs, maybe two. The elevators in WWE corporate headquarters are really slow. That's what I'm taking away from this, because yeah. they get up at least another level, stop the elevator. And instead of Vasca, all of the men come tumbling back out and they're just bowling over the women. There's ropes set up in this lobby, like on the, I don't know, the second floor, the third floor. It's like a little half ring. And somehow Baron 
Baron Corbin gets caught in the ring. Daniel Bryan starts lighting him up with yes kicks. And Otis does like what any of us would do in that situation, which is instead of like running away and looking for another way up, he just starts going, yes, yes, yes. As Daniel Bryan is just lighting Corbin up, just kicks the crap out of him, basically leaves him for dead. And then turns around and does the same thing to Otis because, like, yeah, why wouldn't he? He's on a roll. His signature bar is full, you know, and he's going to take him out of commission too. And he does. Dumb move on your part, Otis, but I understand. Well, we've never we've never accused him of being the smartest. (laughs) That's fair. That's that's kind of the bit, isn't it? So Brian sprints off. The women have cleared off down another hallway at this point. It's just it's just complete chaos. And then the camera pans. Back to the chair in the corner, and we see lurking behind the chair. Mark, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe this is Frank the Clown. Um, well, no, it's Doink the Clown, you moron. Are you sure? Because he looked really young. There's been a bunch a of like different the... doinks. It's a different doink. Now, okay. look, okay, to be fair, maybe you're right. But as far as I know, there's been no correlation with Frank the Clown and anything WWE related ever. <laughs> That was why I was confused. And and I was Doink about to ask is a that. staple of WWE, and there's been at right. least three or four people that have portrayed okay, Doink the Clown. So to me, it was Doink. But look, I I I wouldn't bet anything on anything. So, well, okay, I hang on. I'm gonna look this up because I need to know, and I thought you might, but like, here's the thing: if it's Doink the Clown, I'm I'm Google while I talk, so I'm stumbling a little bit. If it's Doink the Clown, at least he's – you're right. At least he's a WWE property. Right. Right? If he's Frank the Clown, Frank the Clown is just like a big wrestling fan. He's not a – like he's not employed. He's not on a show. He doesn't do anything. He's just a guy who was dating Noel Foley for a while. Like, that's it. Yep. Either way, why why is he here at 10 o'clock at night on a Sunday hiding behind a chair in a lobby somewhere? He's not even in a meeting. Like, Brother Love coming out of the restroom, he, you know, he could have just had to go to the restroom. He could have just finished a workout. Like, there are reasons for him to be there doing what he's doing. Bruce Pritchard works there. Right. Exactly. So, like, yeah. That makes so sense. Sure, of course. The only thing I can think of is that this clown, Doink or Frank, is just like waiting to scare somebody. Or or he's Frank and he just like haunts WWE headquarters trying to get Vince to give him a job. Those are the only two things that I could possibly think of. Really threw me off. Didn't didn't make a ton of sense. Even weirder in real life, if they called Frank the clown up and were like, Hey, do you live in Connecticut? Do you want to come hang out for a while? Like bizarre way to get your start but anyway he just he just goes back to behind the chair he's not going anywhere he's just chilling maybe he just lives there i don't, I don't know like a it like a pennywise situation but yeah no it's definitely anyway, it's the women definitely, are now it, look okay harris to be fair now yep. obviously yep. this is not the original doink the clown person but no that is a, i mean that is what it was supposed to i mean that's what it's supposed to be no, I don't think anyone knows who actually was playing Doink the Clown. There's a lot of dead Doinks out there, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> well, remember, we had all of those little people ones, too. Right. Dink and, <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe one of them grew up. Who knows? 
Ah, okay, that's what it was. It was Dink the Clown. There we go. All right, we got it figured out. Great work, everyone. We spent way too much time worried about that. Oh, yeah, man. we did. Got that's really great. derailed. Well, this is this is one of the reasons I chose this as my topic because I needed to work through some of this stuff. Oh, so God, the women yeah. are the women continue to fight. It's just like it's just a like bland corporate hallway with big blown up pictures of wrestlers and moments and. You know, they do that thing like two of them are coming from one direction and two of them are coming from another direction. and They all smash into each other. Carmella like slaps Nia Jax full blown across the face and then does that perfect like chickenish heel spot where Nia Jax just picks her up and Carmella immediately just breaks. She's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And Nia plows her through a door. They crash into this conference room and, the, you know, the, the carnage just keeps happening. She lays out Carmella. Dana Brooke gets a chair. They have a great like tease moment that would probably have actually been in a real Money in the Bank match where Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler square off for a second. And then she takes out Shayna Baszler and then Dana Brooke grabs a chair, which is like the only weapon that women have used in this match so far, which is kind of shocking. Yeah. Kills Nia Jax with the chair and then turns around and sees that hanging atop the conference room table uh, is a Money in the Bank briefcase. With money in it. With money in it. Which is the first so, time that briefcase has ever made sense. <laughs> well, let's let's talk about it making sense, shall we? Because Dana Brooke climbs onto the table, pulls the briefcase down, and then starts to celebrate. Because she found the briefcase, and she pulled it down, and she won the match, right? Sure. Right? Well, okay. So then, no, she she didn't because right, because we've already established with the rules at the beginning of the match that okay. it is on the top of the building. This is my this is my question: Is Dana Brooke just stupid, or did they not tell the wrestlers? Because it's definitely funnier if they didn't tell the wrestlers, right? If it's just like a scavenger hunt through the office, that's another bullet point that like I would like them to come back to if they do another match like this in the future. Is you just you have to find the money in the bank ladder. I think that's a and way better idea. I do too, but I guess it would – it could theoretically last for hours at that point. Who knows? But at any rate, <laughs> Stephanie McMahon shows up, and it could not – No, is, she doesn't. Think, this is when I realized that I like really loved this match. It that, could was a, not be, that was the worst moment. Because it couldn't be any clearer that she's not in the building. Like, at all. For the amount and of production value that what? WWE possesses, that was the yes! worst produced thing I've ever seen. She she might as well have been green screened in. Like, that would have looked better. It would have. If they just had, you know how you can do the Zoom background? It's completely <laughs> free and takes, like, a minute. They could have just gotten a picture of the hallway and put her in front of that, and it would have looked more like she was actually there. She's so clearly, like, in her basement somewhere standing in front of a white wall and like again i just imagine triple h filming with his phone because that's what it like she's not in the building it's so abundantly clear and it's just the dumbest like b-movie production that i've ever seen from wwe you're right it's inexcusable considering their budget but that's kind of why i love it because normally production is what they do and they do too well but this is just it's terrible and yeah, i that's love like the it. one saving grace of WWE over the years. It's like, they're say what you will about the, the product that they produce or whatever. Right. Their production value is impeccable. Like, they're probably yeah. the best live production in the world. Like, 
anywhere, including like professional yeah. sports or anything. Like, I don't think there's anyone better than the WWE production yeah. team or as far as, you know, pre-packages, all that stuff. Like, they're they're outstanding. And then this right. happens. And it's like, there are multiple other, like, we've already covered two people that just cameo in the match. And they're actually there. Like, you, you can't tell right. me. Do Stephanie and Triple H not live in Connecticut? Do they not live close to headquarters? How, of all people, Stephanie McMahon not being able to make it is just so stupid. Mm-hmm. Yep. But I love it. But she explains very condescendingly to Dana Brooke, like, no, you moron. This is the Money in the Bank conference room. The Money in the Bank briefcase is on the roof. And this is why I say it might not have been explained because she says it like Dana doesn't know like she couldn't have known I don't know maybe they told her to me no to me she said it like you're an idiot we've already explained this to you maybe so but now let's be fair would you expect there to be a money in the bank conference room like in retrospect yeah I guess 100% seems like a Vince move there was there was a half caged ring set up in one of the hallways (laughs) yes Harris I do I expect oh, a Hell in a man. Cell room as well as an this Elimination what, Chamber was, room as well as a Royal Rumble room as well as a point. Punjabi prison other... uh, room and every other type of gimmick match they've had. That is exactly the next point I wanted to bring up, which like, I don't know if your job requires you to do this, but I know like for my job, you will have some pretty boring like administrative meetings. And most of the people who work at WWE headquarters aren't wrestlers. Right. They're just like producers or social media analysts or marketing people or accountants. Yeah. And I'm just laughing at imagining like, yeah, hey, we need to go over our weekly hours. Everyone meet in the hell in a cell (laughs) conference room at four o'clock. Like, do they call them that? Because in my office, we do the same thing, except it's like really sanitized corporate names. Right. So our conference rooms are like Dogwood and Magnolia. And there's another one that I'm forgetting because I never have meetings there. The, the flip side is it's super confusing because I never remember like which one is which yeah. because they're all different sizes and in different places and they're all just named after trees. If you know you're meeting in the money in a bank conference room, you know which one that is once you get in there. And I assume right. hell in a cell is crazy and Armageddon is crazy and like the Zoom meetings they have, they call the in your house conference room. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of. Dumb branding that the, I'm sure uh, the, is going the, on there. The Fulfill Your Fantasy match meeting room is, is by far the strangest. <laughs> there, there's beds in there, pillows. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, that one's a little weird. There's some really weird rooms in here. And we're not done with that yet either. Again, missed AJ opportunity. Somehow, missed opportunity. Yeah. AJ somehow, in the midst of all this, has managed to get free. And is just wandering. Everyone else left. Like, he's just wandering the building trying to find Ray Mysterio. Because, of course, Ray, you know, spited him earlier. Right. It's it's all Ray's fault that he was trapped under those weights. And I don't know. It, it's it's also heel AJ. He's probably right. a little scared of fighting Otis or something, you know. But he comes out, and it, it becomes like this weird pseudo-supernatural, like, trippy film where he comes charging up the stairs. He's like, Ray, I'm going to find you, Ray. And then he turns around, and there's a giant Ray Mysterio poster <laughs> right behind him. Booyaka, booyaka, you know, starts playing. And he's a little startled, but he keeps going. He walks past a Roman Reigns poster and takes another corner and then stops. Because he sees the Undertaker poster. Gong! And 
the music starts playing and AJ's kind of freaking out, which is fair because this guy did kill him. I will say this like, is one of my two parts of the match that I enjoyed. <laughs> this was so really? well done. Yes. It was so bizarre. It, doesn't, it was great. It makes sense that he's shook. Like he sees the undertaker and he has a little right. bit of PTSD. Cause like he did just get killed by this guy. Right. And then he opens a door and he finds like, I can only describe it as the Undertaker's bedroom <laughs> or like his dorm. I don't know how else to explain it. Like basically it's, you know, like that scene in, uh, in, in star Wars where Darth Vader has like his changing chamber where mm-hmm. like he puts his suit on or like meditates without his helmet or whatever. Right. That's what it is. Like, it's just a like, it's a room in the office with a casket on the floor and spooky blue lighting and, and smoke. smoke. And yeah. like the Undertaker's music is playing. And I don't, I it doesn't make a lick of sense, but God, I love it. I was look listening to it, another... if you if you want if you have the boneyard match, all of this <laughs> makes sense. It just does. Listening... At this point, all yeah. bets are off, and I uh, I'm down with the Undertaker having the power to conjure up a room in Titan Tower, yeah. just to mess with AJ, just to freak AJ out, or it could all be in his head, you know. But That's true too. But the other. I can't take credit for this, but I was listening to another wrestling podcast where they're like one of their, you know, mailbag questions was how did the undertaker die? Like the first time, because in <laughs> kayfabe, he's always been this undead zombie yeah. cowboy. How did he die? And the the person who wrote in was like, my theory is that Vince signed this promising young wrestler from Texas. And then there was a horrible accident and he died. But Vince was just like, nope, you signed the contract. Now you have to wrestle for me for, for all time, and you can never retire. And that's just kind of what happened. And I feel like that would also explain why The Undertaker just has, like, a bedroom in WWE corporate point. headquarters. Because he point. just – this is just where he lives now. He, he can't leave. That's fine. He can't retire. Sorry. I buy it. Either way, AJ freaks out, tries to leave, walks straight into a black mass from Aleister Black. And Alistair just kicks him back into the room, shuts the door behind him, and runs away. Yep. And you can hear AJ screaming in the room like, no, no. I loved it. It was great. Oh, it was great. Presumably, he can just open the door and get out again. But I think at this point, it's clear. AJ's just kind of in a bad spot mentally. He yeah. came back too soon from being dead. <laughs> right. And it's clearly just affecting him. <laughs> yeah. That's, you know, he got freaked out. That actually explains maybe the weights. Like, he's just really claustrophobic since he got buried alive a yeah. few months ago. That's fine. He gets pinned under weights and freaks out. He gets locked in a dark room with the Undertaker and freaks out. It all makes sense. It all makes perfect sense. It does. Anyway, we now cut to Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman, again, a person that, like, it actually makes sense that he would be at WWE headquarters. Right. And, Mark, I know they only did this because it was, like, the only food they had available, but it's such a great character note because Paul Heyman is seated – in front of what I can only describe as a feast, like just a ludicrous amount of food for yeah. one person. But it's also it's just like it's just sandwiches and chips and pasta salad. Like it's just clearly they're catering food. Right. It's not like a nice steakhouse or like this ornate Thanksgiving feast or anything. It's just catering, which is such a great, like stupid character moment for a character like Paul Heyman. where like, yeah, he's a he's a schlub. And he he's fat and he's, you know, he'll eat too much, but he eats too much like cheap, not that good food too. like that was just really fitting for me. And I know that wasn't what they were going for, but that really works. Like Paul Heyman doesn't sit down to a banquet meal. He just sits down to like 
the cheapest, most generic crap that's available and just eats a whole table full of it. Somehow sure. that just seemed really appropriate for me. I agree. And then all of a sudden, before he can take a bite, the women come charging in from the left and the men come charging in from the right. Somehow they all ran into each other again. Maybe there's an extended cut somewhere. I, I don't know. At some point, when they were leaving the Money in the Bank conference room, Dana Brooke got a picture smashed over her head. So it's like Carmela's body and her head sticking out the front, which is pretty funny. She comes charging in behind the other women, can't see because she's stuck in a picture, and just clocks Paul Heyman, just knocks him over, spills some of the food onto Otis. And then Otis starts like to tremble and shake, and it almost looks like he's hulking up and he's making this noise like a kettle that's about to boil over. And he goes, food fight! And then he picks up the biggest plate of food he can find and just smashes Paul Heyman just right in the face. Just rice and I, I don't know if it's Greek food or something just goes exploding everywhere. He didn't hit one of the people that's in the match with him. Mm-hmm. He just hit the guy that was standing close to him, just decked him. Yeah, Harris. And all of – yep. This 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 was the moment I officially was like, all right, this is this is turned in to oh, no. a, a decent idea. You know, oh, let's do something unique and different too. Oh, yeah, we're WWE. We're retarded. Let's do this. And so this was when I, the match jumped the shark for Yes, you. this was the jump the shark moment. Because, again, we just had that AJ thing, which I liked. And yeah. this is the moment where it was like, okay, now we're just going back to, like, 2003 garbage. Like, this is it, – it just – it. this isn't – this is not funny. It doesn't make any sense. It's really not entertaining. And it's just, like, the gen- most generic WWE attempt – at like humor or entertainment. It's like the lowest form of WWE entertainment. And it just it, it didn't work for me. First of all, that's like food fight is pretty um low hanging fruit as far as comedy goes. I'll tell you, this is the moment I think because I thought the Undertaker thing was fine and like kind of goofy, but I didn't really get it. This was the moment the match jumped the shark for me in a good way. And it's because it's but not see, if just it was like, if it, it was more ridiculous, it would have been better. Yeah. But it wasn't. No, it was like the I, generic WWE level of, of what they think is ridiculous. That was the you know problem. What, you know what got me with it, I'll be honest, is that it wasn't a general melee. And it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to turn around and elbow Aleister Black, who was right behind me chasing me. Right. It's boys versus girls. Like right. they just, at it some makes point, no they sense. all just break. Why and are they, they just fighting start each other? Lighting each other up? I don't know, Why? but it's hilarious. No, I just it's not. It. It's not. I thought, it's, it's, oh, it's so great. mindlessly dumb. No, the the side of Shayna Baszler choking out Rey Mysterio for no reason other than he just happened to be in front of her when the food fight started. Dude, ah, oh, this I thought it was hilarious. They just start. I maybe it's just because you don't see like men and women fight each other much in WWE. Maybe that sure. was part of it. They just start throwing food at each other. Shayna Baszler starts choking out Rey Mysterio for no discernible reason. Nia Jax and Otis get on opposite sides of the room and sprint towards each other and smash into one another and just squash poor Rey in the middle of them, just knock yep. the wind out of him. Shayna backs off like she didn't want anything to do with it. And then it just kind of breaks down. A couple of the men make a run for the door and the girls try to beat up Nia Jax and she power bombs Carmella through the table and it all just breaks down again. And everybody's scattered, and Paul Heyman is just left in, like, a, the waste of his own food, covered in, like, rice and sauce and little bits of sandwich meat. 
I don't know, man. The, the fact that they just immediately started beating up the people right in front of them, even though they had nothing to do in the match, was really funny to me. Like, it wasn't – I'm not going to say it was Three Stooges level, obviously, but it was just that kind of impromptu, like, just got to hit this guy I see right in front of me humor. I really enjoyed it. But that's, you know, you're you're allowed to be wrong. <laughs> Again, it's just it's just the mental image of Shayna Baszler choking out Rey Mysterio for no reason. That was when I was like, yep, no, I'm into this. This is fun. I enjoy this. Because <laughs> Rey's got this look in his eyes like, why? Why is this happening to me right now? <laughs> to be okay, to be fair, the look that Ray had reminded me of the episode of Community with the KFC space station. And when 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 Pierce just goes nuts and just starts choking out Troy. And Troy's face that he makes when he's getting choked out is like the funniest face I've ever seen. And it reminded me of the way Ray looked when Shane Baszler was choking him out. So that did make me laugh. You know, I can't believe I almost forgot this. But, you know, this is not as overproduced as like the Boneyard match or any or, or the um the Firefly Funhouse match. Right. Like it's there are cuts and there's a little bit of music playing, but that's it. Like they're not going super over the top right. with it. Unless you count like, you know, the Undertaker's bedroom or anything like that. But they have this pretty generic, like just, you know, like violin action movie score playing. Except as soon as Otis shouts food fight and the chaos breaks out, they start playing Ode to Joy. And I think that's what really put it over the top and made it feel like something out of a Looney Tunes show is the sight of these grown men and women pelting each other with food, choking one another out, smashing into an- one another. And in the background, you just hear, da, 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 da. I don't know, man. It was a really perfect storm for me. I think that that choice of music is also what really put it over the top. It was just, it was just beautiful. But now the, the match is continuing. We're, we're still making our way up to the roof. Presumably everybody else knows we're going to the roof. Asuka's still in the lead somehow. Like, nobody stopped her. There's a guy mopping the floor. He's just a guy. I don't think he's anybody famous. I didn't recognize him. He's just some poor intern cleaning the floor. And Asuka runs by and tries to ask him which direction the roof is. But, like, she's not speaking English super well. I know she can speak better English than that. I think it's just because she's excited, presumably. That's the only thing that makes sense. And finally, she just says, oh, forget you. And grabs his mop and, like, cleans out the other women with it. Keeps running. Dana Brooks oh, yeah, this is, this and is cracks another, her head on the floor. Yeah, this is another big problem I have with, with the match. Uh-huh. The comedy is all wrong with this scene. The whole point, because Asuka, like, sp- like, doesn't she, like, dump? Or, or um, the guy is mopping, right? Correct. So, presumably, the, the, the floor is, is wet. You know, it's wet with soap yeah. and water or whatever. So, obviously, someone's going to slip. How does it make any logical sense that the very last person to come running through is the one that slips? Right. I really thought it was going to be all of them at once. Right. You it know, should have been like the first person that comes running They don't in. know the floor is wet. Yeah, no, it didn't make a – no, I agree with you. This was a weird spot. So so you, only... take a, you take an almost hard-to-miss comedy spot of someone slipping mm-hmm. and falling, which is funny 100 out of 100% of the time. And they mm-hmm. were able to somehow make it not funny because of – they messed up the whole timing of it. Well, okay, I'm going to I'm going to break character for a second cuz I like trying to kayfabe this stuff, but I think I'm just going to like outside of kayfabe and shooting this spot, 
I think they just genuinely like didn't want somebody to crack their head because the only person that, that slips is Dana Brooke. She comes running through after everyone else has already left chasing Oscar slips. And I mean, it looks like it hurts. Like it genuinely does. I think yes, we've all yes, done that does. at some point when you're a kid. The kitchen floor is too slippery and it's just whoop, feet straight out, crack your head on the hardwood floor. The only thing I can think of is they just didn't think they could do that safely because it really looks like she just cracks her head. Like it's not a cut or an edit. It looks like it. Hurts. No, but they did it with her. Like, so you, you, you even could do it with her, but just have her be like the first person through. Maybe they were just like, look, we'll just have Dana Brooke do it because if she gets hurt, it doesn't really matter. Again, that's fine. Have her be the first person through. And <laughs> the then first every, one through. And Dude, then everyone I... else is like, oh, shoot. And then they like gingerly step around her as she's on the ground and oh. then continue on. That's so much funnier. Listen, no, I agree. And I don't think this was a great spot. The main reason I bring it up is one, Asuka trying to find the roof is, yeah, that pretty, was good. That is was good. amusing. And two, I think Dana Brooke like really got bruised taking that fall. And oh, I just wanted sure to say I noticed it, was, it, it was and I respect it. It was a gnarly fall. <laughs> it was rough. So, no, I, I, I'm with you on the rest of it, though. So then they, the men are just really sprinting through the hall. And at this point, I just want to say, like, this is basically just an extended brawl with a few comedy spots in it. Yeah. It's so much better, in my opinion, than the one we got at WrestleMania between Edge and Randy Orton Ugh. because they're actually cutting stuff this time. Like right. they're editing it a little bit as opposed to because it's all pre-taped. Right. So instead of having one 40 minute match where people fight down a corridor, they're able to cut between the action and have people come running in out of nowhere. And it doesn't yeah. all have to flow in real time. And it really works like it's not as good as like an actual movie fight through a hallway or anything like that like it just it can't be but for a wrestling brawl i think it's pretty good because again you don't have this problem where there's long 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 takes of nothing happening right they're able to bang 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 like pop through it pretty quickly so i'm enjoy like I, I i think this is a legitimately good brawl like whether you like all the comedy spots or not at this point nobody's gone upstairs or an elevator in a while but you kind of get the sense that we're getting close just because it's been long enough Finally, AJ and Daniel Bryan come down to a corner, kick a door in, and wrestle into what appears to be a smaller conference room. And then the boss gets up and turns around, and they realize that they've crashed into Vince McMahon's office. Harris, um, this is the highlight of this whole match and the only part that was truly amazing. It was pretty good. It was it was perfect. It was absolutely perfect. It was a perfect <laughs> spot in every possible way, right down to the fact that Vince McMahon is wearing jeans. Like everything Wait, about what? It. Oh yes. How did you not notice that? that? Oh yes, no, he is wearing jeans and a dress shirt tucked into the jeans with a sport what? coat over it. It is the greatest thing. Oh my goodness. everything about this is perfect. From it being AJ and Daniel Bryan, that just works. Mm -hmm. Two guys yep. who, you know, because they're smaller and Vince doesn't see as much value in them. You know, definitely don't want to be the ones to tick off Vince. So it makes sense. Um, the whole fact of them just stopping cold yep. is amazing. They've already yep. knocked over some chairs. So then they go to leave, but then AJ turns around and then rushes back over to set the chairs back up where they were. Like, perfect and nice. And yep. then they both just kind of back out of the room. And that's it. And it's amazing. The other reason why this is great is for the real implications of it, which I don't know if you read, but I read, I don't remember who, I read some article afterwards where the, uh, 
the the they originally they wanted to brawl in Vince's office. Right. But Vince put the kibosh on it because he didn't want his real-life Tyrannosaurus Rex skull that is up yep. on the wall <laughs> to get damaged. It's a yep. real fossil of a Tyrannosaurus yep. Rex skull, and that's why they couldn't brawl in his office. Yep. Everything about this is amazing. I know, and I'm so glad. See, this is why I didn't notice the jeans, because I was distracted. You know when you realize something and immediately you're like, oh, I didn't know that. And also you're like, oh, I can't believe I ever thought it would be any other way. Right. Seeing it as soon as I saw the T-Rex skull in Vince's office, I was like, well, that. Yep. No, that's yep. That's I don't know what I expected. That's mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what what else would he ever have in his office? And I don't even think other he than says a, anything. I think he just says, get out. He does. He stands up. He looks at him like you had the nerve to interrupt me while I'm <laughs> yeah. writing something. Presume like his memoirs. I don't know. I would pay money to see whatever he was writing on that piece of paper alone in his office at 10 o'clock during a WWE pay-per-view, by the way. Right. That's my favorite kayfabe implication is Vince isn't even watching the show. He's just like, I all right, I'm going to be here. That, like, your he doesn't match. even know what's going on. No. Nobody told him. <laughs> I, I, it's great. Everything about it, this was the one part of the the whole thing that was truly, truly great to me. I, I, I think it was the highlight for me. But they get then they. This is great too. This is AJ being fantastic. They get out. They close the door very softly behind them, because apparently, like the the pushing in the chairs thing. You know, Vince is a lunatic, and that's a real rule he has. Like for any office or conference room, and he'll hate you if you don't do it. Like everyone at does. WWE headquarters knows you got to push your chair back in. So that's why they did that. And then they get out. They close the door quietly behind them. And then AJ looks at Daniel Bryan and says, boy, you were a real coward in there. You know, (laughs) (laughs) and Daniel Bryan says, you're the one who made me go back in and push the chairs in. And AJ's like, yeah, I guess I did do that. And then he just punched him in the face. face. (laughs) (laughs) And then the music like jumps right back in and they're off. It was sprinting great. down the corridor again. That was, I think that was probably the highlight of the show. That was a really, really well, well done, done piece of comedy. Really well done. So, you know, two or three more people get cleared out. You know, again, there's a lot of different rooms in the hallway, surprise attacks, different angles. Baron Corbin is manhandling AJ Styles in another conference room. I don't think it's themed after a pay-per-view, but I couldn't really tell. And he slams him onto the table. He picks him up slams him into the wall, leaves him laid out on the floor, and then turns around and says, I guess to us, I'm going to the roof. Yeah, that was and another just like, mind-numbingly stupid part. It didn't. Well, the only reason it, like, it's just to set up this transition shot. That's all it is. Like, we've yep, all played that's, video that's games. It. You know that moment where, like, you get to the end of a level, and then there's, like, a sudden cutscene where the final boss is introduced? That's what this is. So, like, the only reason yep. he says that line is so the WWE can smash cut to all these different helicopter angles they have of the roof. And the music changes, so it sounds like final boss music now, not just generic action music. And there's, like, this really elaborate shot where the camera is, like, rising up the side of the skyscraper to reveal the ring on the roof. And, that, you know, the music's just going nuts. And, it re- like, that's the only equivalent i can think of is this is the boss level now like we've leveled up if this is super mario or whatever like the music's going faster now right this is the last lap of mario kart so as we get to the roof 
I got to be honest with you. I was impressed with how professional this setup was. It looks good. We've talked. Sorry, go ahead. I was just saying it looked it looks good. Yeah, like we've we've talked about rooftop matches before, and this is not a sumo monster truck match. This is kind of what I was expecting. It's just this flat like. And this was nowhere near as good as that. <laughs> well, we'll see what they say in twenty more years when they're when they both can't hurt you anymore. But like. <laughs> Because the Sumo Monster Truck match was on the roof of the stadium, so it's just like it's just flat. It's just a roof with like monster trucks and like a very very real edge. And the first thing I thought seeing this is like, oh, this is really professionally done. And dare I say it, it looks pretty safe. Like, yeah, there's clearly there's a garden on the roof of WWE headquarters. Like you can tell. You can see the sidewalk like below, you know, like around the ring padding a little bit. And there's like there's this really nice row of trees. It's clearly like this little rooftop, like garden, like lunch break area. Right. And like kind of off to the side, there's another little elevated portion of the roof where there's clearly like all the antennas and important, you know, stuff that you put on a roof. I don't really I don't really know what it's called. But you know what I mean? Like this is a this is a pretty dignified little setup they've got here. It looks pretty safe. Like they've got the camera crew on one side. There's a row of trees that are a part of, a, of like the garden and they've set the hard cam up opposite that. There's that little, you know, there's a little like ledge where the stairs are to the right of the hard cam. And then there's even, there's a little safety railing set up on the left-hand side of the hard cam. So like, this is a pretty cool, like, it's not even like a gimmick death match. Like, Oh, look at how dangerous this is on the roof. Right. It's just like, Oh, this is nice. This is, you know, this is scenic, right? So Oscar's the first one to make her way onto the roof. She's just been killing it this entire match. She's just leaving everyone in the dust. I don't even – I don't remember if she was present for the food fight. I like to think that the only reason it took her this long was because she couldn't find the roof and was just frantically asking everyone as she was running along. <laughs> Eventually, she finds it, and like not everyone makes it to the roof, but from here on out, they have what's a pretty typical like ladder match, right? Like Lacey Evans makes it up. And Nia Jax makes it up. Everyone, Carmella and everyone else is just dead, I guess. I don't know. They don't, they don't even make it to the roof. And it's, it's a pretty good little bit of back and forth. I mean, I'm not going to get into it because it's just a pretty normal match. There's a good, you know, they, they hit their finishers on one another. People get dumped off the ladder. And then it, it finally ends. Oscar's climbing the ladder. Lacey Evans is right below her. Nia Jax is right below her. And there's a, I think it's a pretty good spot, like legitimately in any ladder match, where she kicks Lacey. Lacey falls cleans out Nia Jax with her and Oscar's free and clear to go get the money in the bank briefcase. And that's when Baron Corbin shows up. And this is a great, like we're all tired of Baron Corbin, but he's a great like mid card heel. If he would just stay in the mid card for a while, everyone would like him more. It's not his fault that he's not allowed to do that. And instead of saying, Hey, there's two of us, a man and a woman, let's just each get our respective briefcases and we'll be fine. Baron Corbin climbs the ladder and starts trying to fight Asuka off, like, so he can grab his own briefcase more clearly. Not yep. really sure. He shouldn't have done that. Again, just yet but another again, example of the nonsense and completely lack of any reasoning behind something that happens yeah. in this match. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm willing to accept this just because he's the worst. Like, if any other character did it, it would be even more annoying. Does that make sense? Uh, in terms I of guess. breaking character. I'm just like, yeah, you're a garbage person. That kind of that, – that tracks. Either that or he just didn't know which one was which and was just going to grab them both to be safe. Either way, Asuka kicks him off the ladder, grabs her own briefcase, 
And then her music starts playing because she won the match. Again, right. I, I guess the intern like sprinted back upstairs after the start of the match. I'm not really sure. But he's there now. Oscar's music's playing. She celebrates the Money in the Bank briefcase. And then, I don't, I don't know, just like goes back to the elevator and goes home. It's not really – she's not there for the rest of the match. I guess she's done. Either way, the men come storming up. And, hey, here we are. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. It's Otis. Otis is the first one out now. He sets up a ladder, and he breaks it. He breaks it because he's yeah. fat. Well, we already set that up on SmackDown. Did he do that? Did yeah. he break another one? Yeah. On the previous SmackDown, they uh, they did they did they did the same thing. I'm pretty sure where where he was breaking ladders trying to climb. Why would you Why would you do that? Why would you do that twice in a row? Here's the I don't thing. Know. This is obviously stupid and not really like funny or interesting. Why would you do it for a guy whose entire gimmick is I do blue collar work? Just, I don't know. Does Tucker just do all the ladder work on their blue collar jobs or does Otis have his own ladder like Stardust that he just brings around that is specially reinforced? And if so, why not bring it to the Money in the Bank ladder match? Like what did you think was going to happen? Again, nothing in this match was thought out and makes any sense. It's already dumb that it happened once at all. It's even dumber if this had happened to him previously and he's like, yeah, but that was probably just a fluke. (laughs) (laughs) These other ladders will be fine. So now he's he's just stuck, I guess. He's just hanging out. I don't know why he continues the match at all or doesn't try to get other ladders. I mean, you know, maybe that one's just fragile because Nia Jackson, Lacey Evans got kicked down it. You know, like there's a lot of explanations here. But at any rate, he's still here. He's still chopping. And then AJ comes out and Rey Mysterio comes out and Aleister Black comes out and they start, you know, it, they're basically playing the hits of a ladder match in like the – few minutes they have left everybody's getting hit with finishers caterpillars phenomenal forearms (laughs) top rope drops all this different stuff and finally ray mysterio and alistair black hit the ladder start climbing up the ladder and they meet at the top and then baron corbin comes back to life and he tips the ladder and they crash to the ground they crash into the top rope of course well hey you know we've we've seen ladder matches you know we all know how that goes they're going to be out of commission for a while right yeah it hurts and then Baron Corbin runs over to Rey Mysterio, who has gotten the wind knocked out of him for like the fourth time in this match. He's just gotten beat to beat to heck all night. Yeah, and poor Baron guy. Corbin picks him up and grabs him by the head. And as we all know, when a wrestler is stunned, you can just walk them around like a puppy and they just they can't stop you. They're powerless. And he grabs him by the back of the head, kind of looks behind him. This is to the left of the hard cam where the little safety railing is. And just gets a running start and just slings him over the top. Just throws him right off the roof. Yep. The only thing, like, I knew that this happened because I didn't watch it live. So people were like, whoa, that guy's dead. I was like, oh, somebody goes off the roof. Well, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's kind of what I expected to happen. It's not like there's no moment of build or suspense like in in the sumo monster truck match. For those of you who haven't listened to that episode yet. There's a great moment where, like, they're fighting, they know they're on the edge of the roof, and then Hulk hits the giant, and the giant does this great, like, whoa, 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 <laughs> you know, you can, you know, you, you can picture it in your mind's eye when I make that noise. He's, like, flapping his arms and trying to regain his balance, and then he falls, and Hulk Hogan, like, even though they're in a wrestling match, Hogan dives after him and, like, tries to get him because they're in a wrestling match. They're not trying to kill one another. 
Right. Nope, none of that here. Baron Corbin just grabs him, runs him off the roof. Rey Mysterio, like, dives into it, just goes soaring off. The only thing that's missing is the goofy scream, you know, when he gets, like, knocked into the horizon <laughs> or something. Yeah, yeah. You know the or, noise. Or, oh, ho, 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 ho. Just, either, either that or the Wile E. Coyote cam of him just yes. going, that's, you know, on the ground. That's the only thing I can think of. That, that's the kind of – yeah, that's the vibe we're going for. So like Baron Corbin – this is why I brought this up at the beginning of the show. From 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 minute one in this match, he was clearly willing to kill somebody to get the brief. Right. We established this. Right. So this is just consistent characters in wrestling. You know, sure. It's, it's what WWE does great. But then he looks around and sees Aleister Black is laid out next to him. Alistair Black is able to put up a little bit of a fight, but Baron just bonks his head back into the apron, grabs him by the back of the head, and throws him off the roof. Yep. And again, there's no there's no like back and forth. There's not really a moment of tension where he's like, oh no, oh no, I'm close to the edge of the roof. Just, wow! And he's gone. And Baron Corbin is just kind of like, yeah, I'm the man. And then gets into the ring and starts to set up the ladder. This man is a sociopath. Yeah. He has no remorse. Absolutely none. Even Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan was devastated. When yes, he thought he was. that he killed the giant. And, you know, like, people around him were acting appropriately. Well, Bobby to be Heenan fair, was losing no, his mind. Are you kidding me? No one was acting appropriately except for Bobby he- Heenan. He kept having okay, to remind people still... that a man has died. <laughs> yeah. So this is two people now just really casually thrown to their death. Yep. And the guy doesn't even seem mad about it. So the. The match is technically still happening. I assume, like, authorities are on their way at this point. Baron Corbin climbs up one half of the ladder. AJ Styles climbs up the other half of the ladder. They're doing a little bit of that back and forth. They both grab the briefcase. And I gotta be like, I'm, I'm, I'm with them on this. When I see this happen, I think, oh, right. But it's, it's whoever gets it when they hit the ground. You know, I've seen this right. happen a couple of times. We've had sure. this back and forth. And, you know, you snatch which, it and fall to the ground. We've seen it happen with titles all not time. true. Because how many times does someone climb to the top of the ladder, they pull the title down, and the match is over? Like, they're standing on the top of the ladder, celebrating. That right. is the but end of the match. About, I think, so it's, it isn't just about getting it on the ground, though, right? It's about having no, possession. No, it's about having possession of it, yes. Yes, it's about right. having so possession the one, of it. The, the example that I think of, it, it, it's not for the briefcase, but, like, any ladder match is the same general rules, Right. And when Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins fought for the title, I think in the summer of 2014, it was like right after Seth turned heel. And I can, well, no, I guess he had the title at that point. I don't know. It must have been in 2015 after he cashed in at WrestleMania 31. They had this great ladder match. They both go for the title. They both fall off the ladder. But as they're falling off the ladder, Seth snatches it out of his grip. And they both hit the ground, but Seth has the title. And that's a great, you know, like... They, they both had possession at the top, but when they get to the bottom, only Seth has possession, sure, right? Sure, it's a good sure. little dusty finish for poor Dean. Keep him invested. Keep him hot. Keep him looking good. All that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, uh, both of these men, pretty sure-footed. They don't fall off the ladder. Uh, they're not sure-handed because they both snatch the briefcase out from one another's hands. And then who comes in to make the save? Not David Arquette. Sadly. Not Dink the Clown. No, 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 no. It's Elias. Elias is here now. He's in his gear for some reason. He's got a guitar, which I guess does make sense. And he just 
bashes Baron Corbin straight on the back with it. Why did he wait so long to do this, you ask? Why is he I don't even know. here? There were no rules in this entire match. Well, he's here to get revenge on Baron Corbin because Baron Corbin, uh, I don't know, he's he's the worst. But also, yeah, I think he beat now? him up a lot around WrestleMania. Why didn't he why not show at up the beginning at the performance of the match center? He, why not at the beginning of the match before he killed two people? Right. You know? There's yeah. no rules. No. You could have shot. You could have tied him up and put him in your trunk and left. It's, you it doesn't matter. You could have. No rules. Would have been easier before he climbed all the way to the top. At this rate, at any rate, he did it now. Which was good timing because he loses possession of the briefcase. The briefcase tumbles to the floor. And who's there to catch it but Otis? Yep. Otis has possession of the briefcase. Both feet are on the floor. And he floor is now matter. Mr. Money in the Bank. I know the floor doesn't matter, but, you know, it's – I don't know. I don't know how else you would judge it because, like, what would have happened if it just hit the ground? Do you string it back up? I have no idea. Yeah, I guess we'll never know. Because Otis caught it. He's got possession. Yep. He wins. Yep. I I really enjoyed this match. <laughs> I think all of this was a lot of fun. Some of it was dumb. Some of the comedy spots were not well done. But I think this is I, – I, I can almost guarantee you that this started out as a joke. That they were like, well, what if – like, you know, at some point they were like, well, we might just have to have the match at corporate headquarters because we can get labeled an essential business and Connecticut will let us film there. So let's just have the match. You know, we could do like a fun gimmick. We'll just put it on the roof or something. And then somebody was like, why don't we just have them fight in the office too? And then they all went, ooh, that's a fun idea. I'm I'm really glad they did this. I would rather – I enjoyed this match and I would watch it more than if they just had another empty arena ladder match. Not that those can't be good. They have been good. Like the one at WrestleMania was great. They, they can do that. But the energy was just different. I really enjoyed how goofy it was. I I would have liked them to lean into it a little bit more. But like this is this is like this is a DDT match. This is just absolute balls to the wall insanity. And WWE they're doing that more with the quarantine, which is pretty fun. But like this is exactly the kind of stuff we make this show about. I mean, it, you know, it, it's not for everyone. If it rubs you the wrong way, that's fine. But like. This is what I want to be seeing when they can't have any fans. Like, really go for it. Give me weirder stuff. I want a helicopter spot. Rey Mysterio was back on Raw the next night with no explanation. Really? Oh, okay. Yeah, I want to talk about that. Not only was yep. that dumb, but then he gets taken out uh, and, yep. and his face smashed against the steel steps. And then immediately they're like, Rey Mysterio in critical condition out of after getting his head smashed in the steel steps. Wasn't in yep. any condition after being thrown off a hundred foot roof. Yeah, no, they just no-sold that pretty hard. That's the only – this is my really my one quibble with this match is if you're going to do something so insane as to have Baron Corbin throw two people off the roof to their death, you got to acknowledge that a little bit more. You can't just act like that didn't happen. The only thing that could have made this match better in my eyes is if it had ended with him being like carried out the door in handcuffs like the Blues Brothers or something because that's what should happen. That would have been good, yeah. That's exactly what should happen. You can't just have him be like, oh, yeah, that was weird anyway. You know, just lean into it a little bit. Just acknowledge something insane just happened. But I had a blast with this match. The best part, and then, like, the entire time this has been happening with, like, a little bit of music and no commentary. And then as Otis stands there with the briefcase, Michael Cole comes back in. And he just he sounds like a bored sports center anchor going over like a random baseball game 
on a Tuesday night in July. Would you, would you like, you know, he's just like, and there you go. That's how Otis became your Mr. Money in the Bank champion because he retained possession with AJ and Corbin battling at the top of the ladder and quite a night here tonight. And then it just cuts to like, not even video, but like a split screen oh, yeah, picture of the two moment. winners. You forgot to mention about John Laurinaitis making an appearance. I'll be honest with you. I forgot because that <laughs> made the least sense of any of the appearances. Why? He works for WWE still. No, I know. But like the other two guys are like really cartoony over the top, you know, like brother love and dink the clown, the, the clown of John unknown. Laurinaitis origin, was right? like the goofiest person ever when he was in charge of raw. Right. But he's still like a real person. I don't understand why he would be there in a little, I, I don't know. I, I just, I just forgot, but he it shows up, matter. says his catchphrase. Otis does like the Indiana Jones thing, which is like everyone in the crowd is thinking it. And then he does it. He just hits him in the face with a pie. Right. Of course. Cause he's in the catering room and he's just picked up a pie. That was the that was the weakest one for me, I think, just because oh, sure. it was weird that he would be like my impression of him is he's most like a real human being. So why would he just weirdly robotically say his catchphrase? Mm -hmm. That didn't make a lot of sense to me. No. But you can tell I liked this match if like that was where I drew the line. And I was like, I don't know. This is all adding up. <laughs> sure. But the match just ends. With like the split screen of Oscar and Otis, and Michael Cole just says, "Quite a night here tonight." Oscar on your left, Otis on your right. Mister and Mrs. Money in the Bank, and then it just fades to black. Like two people have died, the office is destroyed. Not to mention the weight room smashed. God only knows what happened to the other performers who never even made it to the roof. Daniel Bryan never made it to the roof. Carmella never made it to the roof. Dana Brooke. Lacey, they, they never, Dana Brooke never made it to the roof. Nope. They're just dead. I don't know. The Undertaker got them. Is there money in the Money in the Bank conference room briefcase? Was that actual cash money? Because if so. I, I don't know. I don't know. It would have been great that? if it was. I'd like to think that Dana Brooke went back and got it and just left. Just cut her losses. <laughs> but I don't know. I think this was great. I would like to see more goofy stuff like this. Just lean into it a little bit more. Just commit, you know? This was a good start. I, I was very happy with this. I want to see a helicopter spot in the future. That's my only complaint. Yeah, no, I, I agree. That would have been a great spot. <laughs> I'm sorry you didn't like it. I was hoping this would be one of those things we could both enjoy. Like, the, um, like it, it wasn't as good as, like, the DDT baseball dome match. No, not even close. That was one of the greatest wrestling matches ever. Yeah. That was that was amazing. Yeah. Oh yeah, and apparently was... they're doing like a stadium match. Something AEW's doing some. I forgot mm. what they worded it, they, they, but it's called something like that. So immediately people started tweeting pictures of that. Yes. That baseball match, which man, that would be amazing. If they did it at like Everbank Field, and they're just like mm. on the fifty-yard line, just punching away, I would love that. Oh yeah, goalpost spot. Yes. That'd be great. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Look, I. I, I am sorry that you didn't enjoy this match as much as I did, but I do like as much as quarantine sucks and coronavirus sucks. The fact that both wrestling companies are digging deep to try and do stuff that's weird and out of the box and are at least somewhat pulling it off is really exciting. Like, that's pretty fun. Even if you don't agree with this particular match, it's great to see people just going nuts with it and cutting loose a little bit. It's a lot of fun. I'm enjoying it. 
sure. Also, Asuka just got the title by default. I guess she didn't have to cash in. She just got the title on Monday night. Oh. Because Becky's pregnant. Like, she just... She just... I guess it's a freebie. I don't know. That was interesting. Uh, sure. I guess. I don't, I don't know. I'm just rambling now. Anyway, thanks so much for listening, guys. Woo! Go follow us on Twitter at Behind underscore Gorilla. Also on Instagram at Behind underscore Gorilla. Uh, you can follow me um, on Twitter at Marky Mark Brand. And I'm at Harris Wilson. So when Charlotte wins the title this Friday, you can find my meltdown there. Yeah, it's going to be brutal for, for Harris. But anyway... Thanks so much, guys, for this uh, crazy look back at that Money in the Bank match. Um, probably, yeah, definitely one of our most recent things that, that we've ever we've ever done. So this and the Firefly Funhouse are the most recent things we've ever talked about. So that's I think it's going to be hard to top until we inevitably review something crazy that happened on SmackDown the Friday before we recorded on Sunday. Yeah. I think that's the only way to get closer. Yeah, I think you're right. One day it'll happen. Anyway. <laughs> All right, guys, thanks so much for listening, and we will talk to you next week.